0: Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. We sat in a freezing cold guest locker room in Chicago, Illinois, just a few moments before the kickoff of the state championship game. And I remember being in that space with a group of guys who had become my family over four years, and I remember the butterflies in my stomach and running through plays in my mind, people patting each other on the shoulder pads just before the moment came where we would walk down the hallway out onto the field and play for a state championship in football. And my coach, Rigo Smelzer, I mean, that is the perfect coach name. It doesn't get better than that. Started every talk the same way. He'd say, gentlemen, everybody knew in that moment. You put your helmet on the ground, you take a knee, you look his direction. And I'll never forget him saying the words guys, it's not how we started this season. We were undefeated. We had won every single game up to that point. He goes, it's how we finish. And those words have stuck with me ever since. And this is my last chance to talk to you about this Christmas give and what we're up to as a church, where we're going and what the vision is behind it. And as we come to a close, this is our last worship service of the year. I just want to say to you as a church family, it is not what we've done this year. It is how we are willing to finish this year that truly matters in this moment. This has been an incredible year at Momentum. We had packed with love and blessed hundreds of teachers and sent thousands of meals overseas. We planted a church and lived to tell about it and sent loved ones down to another place to start a new expression of the gospel in a new community. We did a series called Love, Sex, Phones, and Jesus and nobody left the church. It's been good. But here's our last thing, our bring Life Christmas, or it's bring life Christmas give. We are giving our biggest offering of the year. We give away to things and causes that bless God's heart. As Phil was explaining moments ago, we're aiming at our city this year. We've partnered and found schools and charities and non for profits that work with the homeless. Parents nurturing sick children, um, people who don't have a place to stay, domestic abuse survivors, uh, combat veterans with PTSD, all kinds of things. And we've said we can change the world with just $47.47. Instead of having this goal and this amount of money that we're trying to raise, and we can, no, we just have one simple goal. We want to get you in the game. Our heart and our hope is that everybody would participate this year, with a gift of 4747. I've said it before for some of you, that is a stretch goal. You're going 47, okay, let's see. I'm, I'm good for it. Can we get some installments? That's fine. We want it to stretch you. Some of you could blow this out of the water. You could sneeze and 4747 47 would appear. Hey, here's what we want you to do. We want you to blow this out of the water because 100% of what we're giving to this is going to people in need. This is the last thing on this. It's a little different. There's been this giving Sunday and even a giving moment the way we're doing it this year is giving will remain open until the end of the month it closes at midnight when we turn into the new year so have a talk about this as a family if you haven't already figure out how you want to participate and get in the game I'm gonna make sure my kids didn't gum up this iPad you could watch this video and then we'll dive in let's go Isaiah 7.14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I remember a few years back when Britt and I weren't as established as we are right now and things were a little tighter than they are right now. My seven-year-old was just two years old. My five-year-old was a newborn and Britt had made the decision to quit working full-time and she was going to shift attention to everything that was going on in our home. And so I remember making the call and then we realized that that meant that we would shift from the very comfortable health plan with the health insurance and HR and all these things that had worked out for us at the hospital where they're taking care of it and you have the best plan and all the things and all the needs met over to the realm of the public health care sector and it was right around this time when everything was changing in that regard and it was so hard to figure out. I remember being a young family man with a brand new young child and this pressure sat on my shoulders of making sure my family would be okay. So I remember calling my dad to try and make sure I had dotted every I and crossed every T and I would watch YouTube videos about HSAs and HMOs and PPOs and it was just miserable because so much was shifting and changing and whoever you needed to talk to, it would, it would change on the phone and you'd call one organization and they're like, oh sorry, we don't do this anymore. I'm like, as of when? They're like, well, about two hours ago, sorry. And then they go, okay. And then you would find somebody else and there was an enrollment deadline and the deadline's closing in and as a closes in, it's harder and harder to find who you need to talk to because these little call systems were overwhelmed, and it was overwhelming. And I remember this season where you would get in there and you would make a phone call to Sharp Whoever, health plan provider, Cala, whatever, fragilistic, whatever, and, and it was just terrible. And you would get to this stretch, and it would happen where you would be on the phone with them, and I had them on speed dial, and everything, I just said speed dial, I meant like in your contacts, speed dial for you guys, it used to be a thing where you could push one button in the phone, would. but anyways, I remember having them in my phone, and I remember you would have to press one for English, and then press two for this plan, and press three to talk to someone, and then hit zero, 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 zero until it just gives up and sends you through somebody. And it was so common to be on the phone for like 45 minutes, and to push all the right buttons and to get through the right place and then to just have the system hang up on you and say we're sorry due to call volume we're overwhelmed right now we don't know what's going on and I remember this longing in my soul I remember this desire I just want to talk to someone I want somebody I can identify with, somebody that could help me, somebody that could relate, understand what I'm going through, and maybe offer me some kind of help that I could understand. And I don't know if you've had a similar situation, but I think many of us can identify with that on our quest to try and find God. You want a God that's relatable, a God that understands, a God that actually cares and pays attention and can relate and get what I'm going through. But for so many of us, when we think God, that is not the kind of God we think. Maybe it was an experience that you went through where you had all of this faith in one moment, but then later on, things didn't really go how you thought they would go. And so all of this faith kind of turned into this picture of God that wasn't really what you thought it was. Maybe you grew up and then some professors said some things and they sounded really smart and intelligent and it caused all this doubt and all that doubt kind of sits between you and that God that you once kind of knew and even still long for today. Maybe a series of events or mistakes where you're still living in the wake of the mistakes have clouded your version of God and a relatable, understandable, loving, close God is simply not what you have. Some of us think God and and your picture of God is God over us. And your view of God is this holy grump and he sits up there and he has two lists and he's kind of watching in anger at who you are and what you've become and he's got this list of the good things you've done and the list of the bad things he's done and he's kind of trigger happy on this like bad things list and he can't wait to put more on that list than the other list. And to you, God is just really a form of dictator, not somebody you could relate to. And I can tell you if you've experienced that at all, The outcome is always this. The outcome is life unsettled. Because even on the good weeks where you have a few spiritual wins together and everything's pointed in the right direction, you never really know how good is good enough. Yeah, I could do some good deeds, but have I done enough good deeds? I could do some things right, but has the right outweighed my wrong? And it simply leaves you feeling unsettled. Some of you think God, and you think God who left us. Yeah, he was here at one point, okay? The earth, and it spins, and it's the right distance from the sun, and the atmosphere, and the oxygen ratio. Clearly, somebody set all of these dials right where they need to be, but my guess is he spun the globe, and then went off to do something else, because there was that time. There was that time I needed him to be near, there was that time I really wanted him to show up. I showed up, but God didn't. And my conclusion is, we have a God, but he's gone now. Scripture, it's good. It can help me live a good life. Maybe if I follow some of this stuff, I could become successful or it'll protect me from danger. But a connection with God, is missing. The outcome of a God who left us, his morals with distance. And no wonder people don't want that God. I've got enough standards for myself that I have trouble living into. Why would I need to add God's name to that big list of things that I already feel like I can't do? And then finally, and this especially, you're not immune to this if you're a Jesus follower. There's God who's counting on us. And the view of God that you picked up somewhere along the way is a view of God who, yes, is kind of loving, or at least I've been told, and he's got some good plans. At least if I'm good enough, I might get to step into them. But your relationship with God is shaped mainly through the things that you know that God wants you to do for him. So it's like, okay, parenting. All right, I bought the book on being a godly parent, and so I got that on the stack. And then I wanted to do my finances well this year, and we're trying to set a budget. And so I went and I did the class that they offer on the Christian and the finances stuff, and I've heard that we're supposed to serve. We're supposed to help people, so I got to make sure that there's space in my calendar. My calendar's just a mess, but I got to make sure there's space to be at everything I'm supposed to be at and do everything I'm supposed to do because God's up there and he's counting on me to be this kind of person to to somehow impact the world around me and get everything done that he's put me here on earth to do. I think that is a noble endeavor, but I think it misses the God behind it. Because so often the outcome is exhaustion. And I know far too many people who follow Jesus and feel so worn down at the same time. And so guys, I know there's kids in the room and we gave them hot chocolate and candy canes so I can just do us a favor and cut to the chase if you'll allow me. The good news of the Christmas story is that your life doesn't have to be marked by exhaustion, distance, and an unsettled feeling. The good news of the Christmas story, and maybe if you've heard this a million times, just pull in your heart and let this sit on you fresh. Dive into this word today. It is not God over us. It is not God waiting on us. It's not God who left us. The story of Christmas is the story of a God who loved us so much he came to be with us. And when you get it, everything begins changed. Story begins way back 800 years before Jesus was born. In Isaiah seven fourteen. the Holy Spirit moves through a prophet who speaks these words and says, therefore, the Lord will give him a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. 800 years of silence go by. And then one day, an angel appears a young girl named Mary. It says, you're highly favored, young lady. The story continues in Luke 1. It says, Mary was greatly troubled as his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most Hi. Confusing message as it was, Mary responds with faithfulness. She goes and tells Joseph, you're not going to believe this. I don't even know how to explain it to you, but God is doing something new, and we are at the center of it. Joseph is a young man engaged to this woman who says, I'm pregnant, and it's with the Lord. He doesn't understand, but an angel shows up to him and simply weighs in and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what... He's conceived in her as from the Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And just a few verses down, Matthew puts a little wink back to Isaiah in there and says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The story goes on, the young woman grows more and more pregnant, and there's this tax census going on, and so Joseph takes the young woman Mary to the town of Bethlehem, and she gives him that look, she's beginning to sweat a little, and they could see the contractions growing closer. She says, Joe, I think it's about that time. They knock on as many doors as they can. This young man with this new calling from God goes beating down the doors of Bethlehem to find nobody who will take him in. Mind you, this is where his family's from aunts, uncles, cousins, those, please, can you help me? Is there anything you can do? He takes the very little resources that they had. He shows up at the door of this hotel. He says, Can you guys help us? Look, I mean, come on, honey, do that thing you're doing. And I got to get her somewhere. Can you help me? And they go, there's this little barn. Now back. And so many times I wished I could peer through the walls of that barn and see how it actually happened. To see the nervousness in Joseph's eyes. To see if any friends or family showed up. If they had a midwife or somebody to help deliver this child. See, it says he was placed in a manger. He wasn't born there. We don't know where he was born. But eventually, a young mother and a young father hold a young savior. They wrap him in swaddling clothes and put him in a manger. And then one of the greatest parts of the Christmas story unfolds. It says there were these shepherds abiding in a field nearby, not dignitaries, not Roman higher-ups, not the religious upper crust, but shepherds, the lowest of the low, so everyone would know that this Savior is for everyone. And I'll read it to you in the King James Version, because that's what Linus uses in the Peanuts. And any time I hear this, it's in my head. And there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon Upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a great, or there was There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Why the angels? Why all this? Why the singing? Why the light? Because that was the moment that God came to be with us and heaven had to rejoice. That evening changed the world. And if you let it, it can change you too tonight. Because that's a different picture of a different kind of God. I'll unpack it quickly. Emmanuel simply means a God who cares. You can often tell the degree of care by the lengths one's willing to go to. What would you do for your kids? What would you do for the people who matter most to you? The lengths you're willing to go through will often show how much you care. Go back to customer service for a minute. Imagine this Christmas Santa came and he brought you that new Traeger grill that you've been wanting with the pellets that feed into the thing automatically so you could smoke the whole bird for Thanksgiving next year. And it's just easy. You just set the dial and it goes and it takes the little pellets and it feeds them into the thing and it smokes and it goes and you're fine and you are a hero in your family. Men want to be like you. Women want to be with you because you can grow. Is that appropriate? I'll delete that when we put this up online. Um, But you get the grill. And the grill is grilling. And it's going. And you tried, you did the, you did the tomahawk ribeye, and you peppered that thing, and it came out good on the grill. And then you went and graduated, and you did the brisket, and it came out fine on the grill. And then you got some fish, and you threw it away because fish isn't meat, and you got a pork butt instead. And you did that on the grill, and then everything was going good, and then all of a sudden the Traeger wasn't working one day. So you call the customer service line and instead of like the little automated, welcome to Traeger where we treat every customer, somebody answered and they're like, hello? And you're like, yeah, Traeger? Yeah, it's me. (laughs) Like, sorry, what? He's like, yes, Bill Traeger, glad to meet you. How can I help? You said, well, hey, I did the thing in the grill and I got the thing grilling, and the brisket went good and the ribeye and I threw the fish away. He's like, very good. And then you like (laughs) kept going and he goes, but my grill stopped working. He goes, no. And you're like, yes. And he goes, hang on. Now, where'd you sit? You're two, two of us in nine one nine one zero, and I'm here and this thing. And you, oh, Hold on, I'll be right there. What? Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Salt Lake City at HQ. But just give me a few minutes, and I'll hop in the car. I'll grab a technician, and we'll be um, by my watch. If we drive through the night, we could get there uh, probably sometime tomorrow afternoon. Okay, bye. And then Trager hangs up on you. You get a call the next morning. Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, it's just Bill again. We're on a first name basis apparently. Uh, yeah, we're we're at Vegas right now. We're swinging through Vegas. Don't worry. We're going to get you some of that beef jerky that they sell in between here and Vegas. Do you want the peppered, the salted, the teriyaki, or the jalapeno? Okay, you know what? We'll just get them all for you. We'll be there at this rate. We'll be there by uh, a little after lunchtime. Okay, see ya. Boom. Ding dong. Traeger is at your house with the technician and the beef jerky, and he shows up, and he goes, hey, uh, we're here, uh, just want where's the grill at? Okay, it's out back, all right, we're going to get right on this thing, don't you worry, sir, we'll have you grilling in no time, okay? And then there they go, and all of a sudden, you're just sitting there with Traeger and his technician, and they're fixing the thing, you're eating beef jerky, and you're trying to figure out what has just happened in your life. And then they go, hey, man, the sun's setting and everything, hey, we weren't able to get it all figured out tonight, but don't you worry, uh, we'll... uh We'll we'll take care of it for a thing in the morning. Do you need a place to stay? No, we don't want to trouble you. We're gonna just sleep out in the car, and uh, we'll be okay. Just don't worry about us. We're not gonna rest till we get your grill fixed. And then ding dong, hey, we're here. It's us again. Do you mind if we go? Work? We're gonna. Well, I gotta go to work, man. You go ahead, okay? And then you come back from work, and then instead of the old Traeger, there's a new Traeger. So you call Traeger and you go, hey Traeger, what's going on with the Traeger? Hey man, I'm sorry, we couldn't get it fixed. We just ran down to Costco and got you a new Traeger. I hope that's well, why didn't you do that in the first place? I don't know. We're Traeger, That's what we do here. Now, should somebody go to those kind of lengths for you, you know what is undoubtable in that moment? They care about you. What do you say about a God who watched humanity in our struggle, in our sin, in our strife? What do you say about a God who saw fathers leaving sons alone to raise themselves and said, I want to be there to do something about it? What do you say to a God who saw addiction and said, I'm not standing up here to watch. I'm going to get in there and do something about it. What do you say to a God who saw families just being broken to pieces and children having to live into situations that they never would have dreamed of, who says, I'm not going to watch this anymore. I'm coming in. You would say that's a God who cares. I just want to let that sink in tonight. Especially if you and Jesus have some miles under your belt together. Don't miss that. Because he doesn't just, listen, he doesn't just like the idealized version of you. He likes you as you are right now. He cares for you. Can you get that? Can you just rest in that? He doesn't, he doesn't need you to lose the 12 pounds and then clean up the act and then change these three things and fix those four problems and then represent yourself to him saying, hey, can we kind of, you know, anymore? No, he loves you as you are right now. He cares as you are right now, not as you think you're supposed to be. See, it happens so often. We walk in the door of grace, walk right out through the house, out the back door and back into the law once we've walked with Jesus for a while. But Jesus follower, grace is for you too. It is for you right here and right now. Emmanuel means there's a God who cares for you. Number two is simply this, Emmanuel means a God of great compassion. I don't know the origin of this story. I searched it as much as I could this week and as far back as I can go, the people closest to the event say that it's a true story. But there was an old farmer in the Midwest, and as winter rolled around, his wife packed up the kids to take him to church for a Christmas Eve service, something similar to tonight, but this is a while ago. The old farmer never really bought Jesus. It never really made sense to him. I mean, he didn't mind his wife raising their kids in that kind of environment. What's wrong with some good morals that kind of set him on a path? But when it came down to it, The idea of a God who would have to become man and then raise and teach and say, follow me, and then die on a cross and come back, it it just never really made sense. And he goes, I don't see why God would go to all of those lengths. And so his faith never really set in. And it's a Christmas Eve. It rolls around. His wife asks him, just like she does every single year, she knows the answer, but she just says, hey, would you like to go with us? And again, he says, no, thank you. So the kids roll off to the little church and the story goes that snow had just begun to mount and it's coming down, the wind's blowing it across the sky. It's hard to see when you're driving down the road and this man makes himself a little fire in his fireplace. He turns on his TV and he sits in his favorite chair. And he's just watching the weather because he wants to know that his wife and his kids will be okay if they go out. And are they going to make it back? Or does he need to go drive over there and pick them up after the service ends? And he's trying to figure all this out. And on the weather station, they're saying, this storm is going to be bad. It's a blizzard. There's going to be ice. There's going to be all this stuff. And from there in his chair, he hears something kind of thumping against the window on the outside of his house. And it comes and it goes. And he's trying to figure out what it is. Has a branch blown so he walks over to the little window, he pulls back the shades, and he stares in, and he sees this flock of geese. They were migrating south but got knocked out of the sky by the wind and the storms, and so they've landed in the little field beside his house, and they're in between the home and the barn and the little pond that's completely frozen over, and this man is a man of the soil. He's a man of the earth, and so he feels this twinge of compassion for the group of geese that are out there. And he thinks to himself, you know, he's watching them and they've got these young little little babies with them and they're trying to protect them in their wings and they're just flapping and it's just chaos. And, and he goes, you know what, they're not going to make it if they just stay out here tonight. If I could get these geese into my barn, they could live safely. So he goes out there and he bundles up and he puts on the old Carhartt jacket. He walks out to the barn, he slides the big door open and he puts one single light inside the barn. And he goes, maybe this light will be enough to draw the geese in. And he watches them, and there's just more chaos. They're more lost, more stuck, and more messy. So he goes, I know I could lure him in. I'll put some bread down. He runs, rummages through the fridge. He grabs a loaf of bread and he tears it up feeding. And and the geese want nothing to do with him. He'll put the bread and they'll kind of walk to the bread and he'll try and lead it to the barn. But the second they get to the barn, it just doesn't work. And so finally, he grabs a broom and he's going, if nothing else, I'm going to just scare him in. And he chases the geese and tries to chase them into the barn. And at this point, he's engaged in the geese story. He's a man of the soil. He loves these birds. He's bought into what's going on. And he realizes somewhere along the way that there's no amount of fear or scaring or treats he can throw at these geese because he's a human and they're geese. And he goes, everything I do is just scaring them away more. And he goes, if I could just become like them for me, if I could just be a goose for a second, I could have them in there in no time. And then he got it. If I could just become like them, I could lead them to life and he realized why God why sending a son why Emmanuel why God with us why him becoming man growing up death on a cross raised to life again is a God who said I will become like them so I can lead them to life he was changed that day and if you get it it'll change you too Finally, Emmanuel means a God who loves us. There's this sister verse that would really relate to this story. John, one of Jesus' closest followers, would later on write in this little letter that he was sharing some of the God life with some Christian people, and, and he's explaining to them this simple thought in 1 John 4. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Did you catch the words? He wanted to show his love among us. He didn't want to dictate his love to us with scripture alone. He didn't want to stand distant and go, I'm God, I am up here, and when you're good enough, you can deserve me. He wanted to show his love among us. And isn't there something about a gift that makes love visible? Any of you parents in here ever travel? And you've been gone, and whatever it is, you get home, you see the family, they're in the airport, and the kids come running up to you, and mine come running into my lap, and they say the same thing every time Father, we're so excited for your presence. No, I'm just kidding. They say, Dad, did you bring us any presents? Every time, Dad! What'd you bring me? And I'm like, you sinful, like, get out not here. But I was thinking about it this week. And I used to do the same thing too. Why? Because there's something about a gift that makes the love visible. Why Jesus? Why God with us? Why Emmanuel? Because God wanted to make his love visible to you. We could go back to those words. Did you feel them this year? Unsettled? Like God is distant and you are exhausted? Do you know why Jesus came? And so instead of unsettled, you can become secure. Through trusting in him, through betting your life on him, you inherit a security. He seals your name away. It is a promise. You will be saved when you've trusted in him. That's security. This God who has appeared so distant desires to draw close. He drew close in Christ and he wants to walk closely with you in relationship today. And he wants that relationship to be a source of replenishment. And instead of running around exhausted, trying to do it all on your own strength and in your own power, he wants to pour power into you through a life-giving relationship. That's Christmas. My heart and my hope is no matter where you are this evening, around Jesus your whole life, Maybe somebody drug you here because you heard there's hot chocolate. That you would know there's an offer, an invitation on the table for you right now. You giving your life to God and God giving you the life you've always dreamed of. It's as simple as that. How you get there is simple. You repent and are baptized. Repent means I'm not doing it on my own anymore. I need you, God. Baptism, this beautiful command in Scripture, we follow Jesus' example, in obedience. And I just want to offer you the opportunity to do step one tonight, that you would have your own moment where you say, you know what, I want that. Nobody's going to make you walk up here or do anything. As a matter of fact, we'll just make it quiet and silent so it's you and God. We'll pray in a second. Could you just close your eyes uh, right now for me? And I don't, don't worry about you. Don't worry about New Year or what's next or the night or where you're going. Just take 30 seconds for you and God. If you want to make that exchange tonight, it's the 22nd, but if you want this to be your Christmas moment, all you got to do is raise a hand right now. You could just put it up right now and I'll lead you in a prayer. You can make this your moment. So with your hand up, You can just pray in your heart. You don't even have to say anything. Just between you and God, you can just say, God, I give you my life. I don't want to do it on my own. I can't cover my own sins or justify myself. I need Jesus. And I invite you in. Lord, we all say we need you. And together as a community, we're grateful. Grateful you came and you did not leave us alone. Lord, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you so much for making the move to be with us. Make that real to us as we finish our year. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can you make some noise with me for some people who just said, I want that? Hey, um, you need to know that's why we're here as a church. If you made that move, you don't have to take your next steps by yourself. We're here for you. We love you. However, don't come back here next Sunday because we won't be here. We're taking the week off. We will start the new year fresh uh, on January 5th, right back here with the number of morning worship services. If you didn't make that move in your heart and you need help or somebody to just connect with over the break, uh, fill it out on your connection card, drop it off on your way out. Uh, January 5th, don't come here next week. It's our Bring Life Christmas gift. Give generously. Uh, We'll push out uh, the total and some of the cool stuff on that online later. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Peace. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.